we're going to talk, teach, and preach from the subject, why did Jesus have to suffer? Why did Jesus have to suffer will be our topic. Uh, the text found this morning, we will be coming out of Psalms, the 22nd uh, chapter, and uh, Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and it reads, Psalms 22, 14, and 10, my life is poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like a sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs and evil, uh, evil gang closes in on me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I count all of my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Isaiah 53, 3 through 9. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow, acquainted with deepest grief. We turn our back on him and look the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. We thought that his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so, beaten so we could become, so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, strayed away. We had left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Unjustly, uh, he was oppressed and treated harshly. And yet he never said a word. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a sheep silent before the shearer, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants to, that, that his descendants that his life was cut short in the midstream. But he was struck down for, our, for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal, put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. And yet when his, with his life is made an offering for sin, he will, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Verse four, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment for God, a punishment for his own sin. Watch this. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. If you would run the clip for me.
we sing about how Jesus loved us. We don't often think about what that cost him. And so I'm going to talk, teach, and preach from the subject, why did Jesus have to suffer? It never seems fair when someone has to suffer for what others have done wrong. Innocent people become injured and die because of drunk drivers, terrorists, bombers, angry mob. Innocent children die as a result of war, poverty, and abuse. But those who suffer because of sin of others don't, no don't normally choose their faith. But Jesus did. He did not want to face the anguish and the pain, but he chose out of obedience to God and not follow his own desires. Jesus knew that the only way for mankind to be saved is for him to give his life for us. It is through the sacrifice of Jesus that we really begin to comprehend the magnitude of both our sin and God's love for us. You know how sometimes um, you're, you're watching a movie or something and, and you, you kind of turn the channel early in it and you really never find out what the story was all about. But as, as tough as that was to watch, and I realized it was, it was a reenactment, but when you hear the scriptures in Isaiah, that's what they portray. And so you have to stay tuned in to get the rest of the story to understand that that's just not a gratuitous, a gratuitous clip without purpose. Because once we understand why he had to suffer, it will transform and change your life. See, Jesus was sent here to live a perfect life among us apart from sin. In Hebrews, we're reminded in chapter 4 that he was born of sinful flesh subject to the pool of temptation that was common to all of us. Though he, he, <clears throat> though he was tried and tempted in all points, he did not sin. If Jesus was sent here just to prove that he could live a sinless life, he would have accomplished that goal. He could have just not suffered and had some kind of painless death and stepped into eternal life. But watch this. He gave up eternal life so we could have it. He came down 42 generations, born of a virgin in a stable that you and I, through his birth, could have eternal life and peace with God. God is the author of time. He could have arranged some different prophecy but Jesus needed to fulfill the prophecy, prophecy to ensure and illustrate that he was the son of God. But it does not explain to me 
Brother Grant, of why it had to be so brutal. It raises the question, why did Jesus have to suffer? Why did God allow his son to be beaten, tormented, and and, and, and viciously beaten before his death? Why not just have some peaceful death or quick, like a beheading or a stone to the head? Why not make it easy? The quick answer is this. Jesus was beaten to take our sins upon himself. And with every stroke of violence that was laid upon him is a reminder to us the violent nature of sin in our lives. With every stroke of violence, it remains a consistent reminder of us of Christ's unfailing love for us. He was willing to bear our sins. He makes it possible for us to be free from sin, guilt, and fear. By taking upon himself the violence of sin, he sets us free from the effects of sin. Because the, the wages are sins of death, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible is fairly descriptive about the suffering of Jesus as we examine the 18th chapter of John. We see the high priest questioning Jesus, pointing out, Jesus pointed out to him that he had done everything openly. And one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus because they believed it was a disrespectful answer. And then Pilate interviewed Jesus, finding nothing that he could charge him with, offered the Jewish authorities to let him go, and they refused and said, no, crucify him. And this was the start. The soldiers were given free reign. They twisted a crown of vines with very long and sharp thorns on Jesus' head. They flogged him viciously. They hit him repeatedly. They made him carry the heavy cross beam to a place called Golgotha's Hill, the place of the skulls where soldiers nailed his hands and his feet. And for the next several hours, he experienced such pain and anguish, and he died long before any crucifixion victim. As we look at Jesus' final hours of his life, his crucifixion and death, what we see is utter brutality of violent men. The torment Jesus underwent speaks more of the hatred and the cruelty of humanity who are under the influence of Satan than it does about God's punishment for sin. Watch this, church, and you need to understand this. Satan absolutely, absolute hatred for God and Jesus played out and was the motivation behind the relentless beating that Jesus took. Okay, here we go. I'm going to make it plain. Satan, during the trial, the beating and the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, thought he had the upper hand on God. And he thought, I could get at God by inflicting as much pain on his son as possible. He thought that God did not have the power to overcome him in the midst of that stuff. But watch our God. 
in God's hands intended evil becomes eventual good for us. Watch this, y'all. He said, Satan, for every stripe, every lick you lay on my son's going to be for my children's healing. Every bruise you put on his body will be for the iniquity of my children. All of the chastisement that you had put on him will provide peace for my children. What the devil meant for bad, God turned it into our good. I'm in the Bible. You remember Joseph, the dude with the coat with the many colors. His brother sold him into slavery. And then a famine came in the land as he rose up politically. And his brothers come before him. And they said, oh, Lord, how are we going to explain this to our brother? And what he says to his brothers found in Genesis of 50 and 20. He says, as for you, you meant it evil against me. But God meant it for my good in order to bring about this present results. With the beating of Jesus, God turned it around for our good. Every time the enemy tries to harm you, God supernaturally steps in and protects us. We must realize that the misfortunes that happen in our life, that God can turn it around for his good, our good and his glory. And do I have a witness, Brother John? Hallelujah. I know what God can do. But sacrifice comes with a price. It's never easy. Bearing our sins came with a terrible price. The punching, the beating, the thorns in his head, the mocking, the spitting upon, the whipping, the scourging, the rejection, the cries of his death was all horrible. Isaiah in the 52nd chapter, the 14th verse, reminds us of this. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, it seemed hardly human. From his appearance, one scarcely knew him to be a man. God's truly unsearchable love for us is revealed in that Jesus was willing and the Father allowed it to happen and our sins to be laid up on him. Second Corinthians chapter 5, for God made Christ who had never sinned to become an offering for us so that we could be made right through Christ. In John, 1 John 2 and 2, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, not only for our sins, but the sins of the entire world. Jesus' physical suffering, as horrible as it was, did not compare to when he hung from the cross. And God had to turn away from his sin. I mean, his son, because a holy God couldn't look up on sin. It is the only time through Jesus' crucifixion and death that we ever hear Jesus scream out in anguish. He said, Eloi, Eloi, Lamanai, Sabbatani, which is interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He had just satisfied God's demand and payment for sin. I wish I had some help in the house this morning. Here it is. But God showed his great love 
for us by sending Christ to die while we were yet sinners. And no one can dispute the suffering of Christ on the cross. His suffering was necessary. The scourge was necessary. The criticism was necessary that we might be made right with God. Listen, through the centuries, Christians have been criticized in believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been criticized to think that a man dying on the cross would pay for our sins. Muslims show respect for the person of Jesus, but the cross stands as a stumbling block for them. They regard his atoning death through suffering as foolishness. They dismissed the very concept that Jesus had to suffer. In fact, they say God on the cross in suffering is a preposterous. But listen, as we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to stand resolute against uh, the enemy who comes against our, our Savior, and we are to embrace the cross as a vital illustration on how much God loves us. See, for the cross, for the world, the cross is folly for those who are perishing. But for those of us who are being saved, it is literally the power of God. It was essential for him to suffer, to satisfy the demands of God's wrath. And as much as God loves us, listen, church, he hates our sin with a holy, burning hatred beyond comprehension. The only way he could embrace us despite our sins is for someone else, someone perfect, someone holy to pay for it. <laughs> so in John chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, God loved us. He sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means payment. It wasn't enough for him to die. He had to pay a debt, our debt, for our sins. And the payment was necessary that we might be forgiven and washed clean. Through his death, he restored our relationship with God. See, Jesus paid a debt we did, that he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. Romans 5 and 1, therefore, since we have been made right in Christ's sight by faith, we have peace with God because, watch this, what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And as we examine the text, in Psalms, the 22nd, David is the composer of this psalm. And... In reading this psalms, mother, it becomes difficult for us to understand why David would pin such a psalm. Because as the biblical records show, the Lord never deserted David in his hour of need. He always provided a friend to help David and deliver him from his enemies. The intense suffering described in this text, the 27th psalm, isn't about a sick man on his bed. 
It isn't about a soldier in a battle. It is the description of a criminal being executed. Uh, in this psalm, David really literally finds himself wonderfully carried away by the spirit of prophecy, far beyond his thoughts and his intents as he speaks of the humiliation of Christ. This is a messianic psalm. We find out in Acts 2 and 30, but he was a prophet. He knew God had promised with an oath that one of his descendants would sit on a throne. And so here it is in this psalm. If you just listen to the words, you can hear the crucifixion of Christ. My life is poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Remember, I thirst. One of Jesus' last phrases on the cross. You laid me in the dust and left me to die for dead. My enemies surrounded me like packs of dogs. Evil gang closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. They count, I counted all of my bones. My enemies stared at me and gloated. They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. In the 53rd Psalm, here it's called the prophecy of Isaiah. It really ought to be the evangelist Isaiah rather than the prophet because he describes beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory to follow. In the 53rd Psalm, we will observe the reproach of Christ's suffering, the meaning of his appearance, the greatness of his grief and the prejudice that followed as the consequences of his doctrine. And there were four consequences that are spoken in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. The first consequences was, and we'll find that in 4, 6, and 10, that he did his father's will. Watch this church. Yet, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought it was trouble, was a punishment from God for his own sin. Watch this church. This is a verse of accountability. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. And yet... While we were still sinners, the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. So in verse 10, but the Lord's good plan to crush him, to cause him grief, <laughs> as he became an offering for our sins. Number two, that he bore his suffering with invincible and an exemplary attitude. In verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly. Watch this church. But he never said a word. He was led like a, a, a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep silent before the shearer. The third... He made an atonement for men's sin. We find that in 8, 9, 11, and 12. He was unjustly condemned. He was led away, and no one cared that he died. But he was struck down for the rebellion of his people. 
Verse 9, he did no wrong, never deceived anyone. He was buried like a criminal. Verse 11, when we see all that he has accomplished by his anguish, watch this, God will be satisfied. It will be possible for many to be counted as righteous, for he bears all of our sins. And four, that he should prosper from his undertaking and his suffering should end in his immortal honor. In verse 12, God will give him honor as a victorious soldier. You know, I didn't mention this, but in the Old Testament time, when somebody had to offer up their, their repentance for their sin, they were told to bring a spotless animal, a lamb, a bull, a goat. And the person would bring the lamb to the high priest. And he would lay his hands on the lamb and begin to confess his sins over the lamb. And the, the sins would transfer from the person to the lamb. And the most violent thing that happened to that lamb was that his throat was slit and the blood was sprinkled on the altar. See, God didn't commission the beating for Jesus. He willed it to be so for our benefit. Because if it had to been so, it would have been recorded in the book. So in closing, I asked the question this morning, why did Jesus have to suffer? He had to suffer to make us whole. He had to be broken down so that we could be built up. He had to be slain so we could have eternal life. He took upon him all of the devastating effects of sin and violence so that we could know the peace and the forgiveness and the joy of salvation. Church, his sacrifice proves how truly valuable we are to him. It is a testimony to how much our creator, our God, really cares for us. Will you embrace this gift this morning? Will you embrace the gift of eternal life? Do you want to know healing and righteousness? Will you accept the joy and the peace that is found only in him and through his suffering? Let us not waste such an effort, a sacrifice made on our behalf and for our good. Jesus laid down his life. He endured the cross with the joy that was set before him. He died so that you could grow and prosper and to become the man, woman, boy, and girl that God intends for you to be. He came to set you free from fear, ungodliness, sin, and to immerse you 
in his righteousness and his goodness. As the band comes, the doors of the church are open. If there's someone here that doesn't know God in the pardons of their sin, if there's someone here that doesn't understand the gift that Jesus provided for us through his suffering and his beating, he's come to offer salvation to you today. Won't you come and accept that gift? Will you be free? from the burdens of sin. That's why he took that whooping for us to set us free. What the devil meant for bad, God says, no, Satan. <laughs> I'm going to use this. See, I don't get this thing. That's why when Jesus got up from the grave, he taunted Satan because Satan thought he had got over. He said, oh, grave, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? I've been raised from the grave with all power in my hands. And he didn't need the power for himself. He needed it to set us free. If you don't know him, as the band sings.